Hello and welcome back to Ukulele Tales, the ukulele podcast hosted by me, John Atkins, a.k.a. the ukulele teacher on YouTube. And what an amazing first month it's been. I've had so much fun doing this podcast. I've had some lovely feedback from you guys, and I've also had some great chats with some really top, top ukulele players. And as I've said before, I have many, many more still to come. So please, whatever you do, subscribe to the podcast and make sure you download it every single week. Last week, you may remember, I read out a message from listener James Grill, who had had a horrible motorbike accident, and it looked like he wouldn't be able to be playing the ukulele for quite some time. Well, I asked you guys to send out some positive vibes in his direction, and it looks like it worked, because I heard from him just a few days ago, and apparently after being looked over by the physio, he's been given the all-clear by his doctor to resume some gentle strumming activities. And as a bit of a side note, James Grill is a part of a group with his dad and brother called the Mixed Grills, which I think is just terrific. A really good name for a group there. So, uh, well done, uh, James. I'm really glad to hear your good news, and I wish season's greetings to you and the rest of the Grill family, the Mixed Grills. Uh, Last week, I also asked you what you're doing uke-wise for Christmas and what ukuleles or uke products you might be hoping to find in your Christmas stockings. And I'll be reading out a few of your replies a bit later on in the show. First, though, we need to get right into it, as I went up to London about a week ago and spent an afternoon chatting with the wonderful Tyler from Ten Thumbs. I've met Tyler a couple of times before, uh, once or twice at NAM, I think, and then a few years ago when he was taking a small van around the USA, driving to various uke festivals and workshops and meeting up with ukulele players along the way for a jam in the van. He came via Santa Monica, Uh, near where I was living at the time, and we hung out for a while then. So we talk all about that fantastic Jam in the Van project. We'll talk about his approach to teaching, how hard he's worked to improve as a player and a teacher himself, and the sad yet ultimately very inspiring story of just how he got the Ten Thumbs nickname. I will be back in a bit with some of your personal ukulele tales, plus info on how you can both help support this podcast and hear more exclusive content from this conversation by signing up to my Patreon page. But for now, here's Tyler from Ten Thumbs Pro. Hello, my name is Tyler from Michigan, born in Kansas. I play the ukulele. Surprisingly, you can make a living on the internet doing that if you know how to play your cards right. Not the easiest thing to do. You have to have a couple sources, but... You can make it work. You've done this before. (laughs) (laughs) How much of that is true, by the way, about uh, you're from Michigan? So I grew up in Michigan. Well, actually, I had this debate last night with my wife. I moved to Michigan when I was 10 or 11. Okay. And so she says that I became an adult in Michigan, but I grew up in California. So I moved to California when I was three years old, and I was born in Kansas. You were born in Kansas? In Emporia. If you draw a giant X through the United States, yeah. it was born right in the middle of continental United States. But then, if you'll pardon my ignorance, what is your accent? That's a good question. Um, it is, I would say, mostly Michigan. Um, if you listen to my vowels sometimes, you hear a little bit of Canada. If I turn it on and I really exaggerate it like this, yeah. you can, and it's a little bit of that in there, but a little bit more of an urban mix of it, I would okay. say, like, because uh, I did spend a lot of time in Lansing, Kalamazoo. My original um, me- touch with music was hip-hop. I was a freestyle rapper in the city. And, oh, yeah? yeah? No kidding. Okay. Yeah. Years before yeah. guitar, years before ukulele. And so I would say it's that, but there's also a touch of 12 years speaking Spanish every day. 
Right, that's that what it is. A little bit yeah, in, in yeah. the... Okay. Because and where was the 12 years speaking Spanish? Primarily in Medellin, uh, Colombia. Six months in Bogota. I moved to Bogota in 2010 and lived there for six months and moved to Medellin after that. So since July 2010, Medellin has been home, but I did spend two years in Buenos Aires, 2013 and 2014. Yeah. So I have, if I'm speaking in Spanish, depending on what country I'm talking to, I can make right. a couple accents in Spanish as well. Too. That's what I was thinking, because it was when you said, oh yeah, I've got a perfect Michigan accent. I'm yes. like, hang on a sec, that doesn't sound right either. You yeah. know? So that, that, that explains a few more things. So we're here in London, by the way, I should just point that yep. out. We're meeting mm -hmm. up just a few weeks before Christmas. Yep. Uh, what are you doing over here? My wife is doing a residency, I would translate it to. She, yeah, I would say it's called a residency. Sure, her university for her PhDs in Barcelona, and she's doing a residency at LSE. So London School of Economics. Yes, sir. Okay. And she's doing her PhD in economics, actually. So yeah. I know the school does all the social sciences, but she actually studies economics. Oh, okay. And you're visiting? Yes, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. she's been here for three months, and uh, you know, you spend twelve years with a person. Three months is kind of yeah, a long right. time to be. You're going to miss them, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you've been married for twelve years. So I've dated her for twelve years, okay. but we've been married for ten. Okay. Oh, congratulations! It was Amazing. a pretty impulsive. A situation when we decided to get married. Yeah, we were actually on the border of Venezuela in a desert, and we were having a couple of Venezuelan beers. And I looked at her and I said, "You know what? We should get married." And it was, she it was our maybe second vacation together. And she goes, yeah. "Yeah, that sounds pretty good." So I bought her a ring made out of coconut, two thousand pesos, so about eighty cents. Got on a knee and she took the coconut ring and she wore it until it cracked in half. Now that's a story. Yeah, that's a story. <laughs> yeah. That's what we've come here for. Yeah. That's really cool. So, and then, and for ten years you've been married. For ten years, ten years in September. Yeah, yeah. And where are you living most of the time? Principally in Medellin. We spend a couple months a year in Barcelona, or a couple months out of the year in Barcelona right now. Yeah. Sorry, where's Medellin? So Medellin is central Colombia, okay. um, about 145 kilometers north west of Bogota. Wow. And so it's 1,300 meters up. We're in the mountains and, and pretty close to the equator. So it's about 24 degrees every day. Rain what does that mean? Cold? 24 degrees Celsius. Oh, Celsius. Okay. Yeah. So that's pretty nice. Okay. Every day. Very nice. Yeah. If it gets up to 28, yeah. everybody's like, it's really hot. And if it gets down to 20, everybody's like, it's really cold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm such a sellout. I'm, I spent like four years in America, and I'm all about Fahrenheit. Yeah, so okay, okay. I'm like, 24, that's freezing, isn't yeah. it? You'll die. Yeah. But, so uh, for the yeah. American listeners, about 80, mid-80s. Okay. Low 80s. Nice, nice. Very nice, yeah. So uh, I guess let's move on to the, the ukulele. Well, no, actually, you know what? Last time I saw you, mm -hmm. uh, you were on like a kind of road trip thing. I was, I was. What happened with that? Tell, tell us a little bit about it and also tell us what happened to it. Okay, so I bought a 1994 Volkswagen Eurovan mm -hmm. and I was driving around doing workshops. And you know the states, you've lived there, they're yeah. big, it's a big place. Yeah. So when you get an opportunity and the people call and they say, okay, we have one in San Diego, one in Kansas City, and one in Seattle. So instead of jumping a bunch of flights, I bought a Eurovan that popped top with a tent on top and I just would go to a city, make a little bit of cash, and then I would drive to the mountain and spend a couple of days in a forest and drive down from the mountain. And then we met up when we were in... In uh, Santa Monica. Yep, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. And we jammed in the van, van We jams. did, the jam in the van, that's yes, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You were one yeah. of, I did it with Bernadette, you, Matt from You Can Uke, uh -huh. and, and Timmy as well from San Diego. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And and you. So there's so just yeah. four of you. Oh wow. Okay. I feel uh, privileged. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I sort of thought, oh, it's another ute player in every town, you know. <laughs> but uh, just four or five of us. Yeah. Not all the ute players were. I don't want to say van worthy because that would come across as a little uptight, but. I wanted to do it with people that I had a relationship with prior to that. Yeah. I didn't want to just meet them and then have that be the first interaction. Yeah. And so we met in Nam. Yeah. That would have been 2017. 18. 18. Maybe even 17. Yeah. The way time moves. Yeah. Um, and so having met you previously and I liked you, so it was really easy. And I know Bernadette personally as well. Actually, come to think of it, everybody that did the van. I met him at Nam that year. Yeah. Now that I'm actually reflecting on that. Meet him at Nam, get him in the van. That's, that's right, it. that's right. That was the plan, uh-huh. Yeah, that was the plan, right. See, so, that freestyle rap's coming back to you. Exactly, now, you know? yeah. it never really leaves. Never really leaves you. Especially when you're on the train or the tube and you're just thinking in your head, okay, 40 minutes, what am I going to do? Yeah. Let's yeah. see how many words I can rhyme in my brain. But so, hang on, you were just saying that uh, your wife's gone away for three months. Yes, and sir. that's a long time for you to be away from her. Yeah. But what about when you went off in the van for a So for she months? was there with me for the first six weeks. Okay. So it was only about a month and a half. Okay. I do pretty good for the um, month, and I do okay in the second month. And then yeah. I get really kind of baby I mean, like, in the third month. I need my, my person back. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's also different when I'm the one having the adventure, and she's the one at home. Yeah, I think it's harder with the, for the person that stays at home because right, the routine, okay. just the house feels empty. Yeah, but you know, I mean, there's not a lot of time to miss her when I'm in Yosemite or in the Golden, or, you know, in the Bay, jamming in Oakland with people and things yeah. like that. Like, I'm I'm very happy with what yeah. I do, so I don't even really have time to think about her until I go to bed, and yeah. I'm a good sleeper, so it's like about oh, that's good. Yeah, good, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> So what about the, uh, so these were, fe- were these ukulele festivals you were playing at? No, or? they were just workshops I arranged with Patreons. Oh, right, okay, yeah. okay. And I, out of all of those... What, one-on-one workshops? Or? No, what they would do is they would say, we have a club, or we know a local mom-and-pop music store that does that kind of thing. And they would put me in tact with these people, and then we would do them. In San Diego, it was a Patreon that said, hey, I live on a sailboat, and we can do it right here in the in the." Hey, so yeah. we just did that, and I said, "Everybody, anyone in San Diego, come on down." Um, in Kansas City, it was Butler Music. Shout out Butler Music! I love those guys. I get all my Fender Strats and anything from Fender. I get I get from those guys now since that as well. Yeah, great guys. Yeah, that's funny because I was. That's really cool, by the way. I sort of did something similar, not really with workshops, but around 2015. Uh, well, in fact, it was the trip that I met my wife, although okay. she wasn't like a ukulele person. Okay. It was just like a random Tinder date, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I basically just went through like a bit of a breakup and I'd quit my day job because YouTube was taking off, not in like a yeah. bad way, but just because mm-hmm. YouTube was taking off. Mm-hmm. And then I suddenly realized, hang on, I've quit my job. I've just split up with someone. All I do is literally like live in these four walls. Yep. Like I eat here, I sleep here, mm-hmm. I film here, I edit here. Yep. I'm not seeing other people. Exactly. And I just... And because it was like England as well, I'm like, oh, now it's about to be winter. Mm-hmm. It's going to be grey skies and rain. I need to get out of here. Mm-hmm. So I did a kind of random thing. Uh, I've sort of probably mentioned this before. Basically, I got a six-week round trip to L.A. When I got to L.A., I went down to Santa Monica Beach, posted a photo on Instagram, and said, hey, I'm in America. Mm-hmm. If anyone wants to hang out, I'll come and have lunch with you. Tell me where you are. <laughs> and I went to, like, you know, D.C. Uh-huh. and Florida and... Uh, Vegas and Austin 
and like literally like wherever I could go and Very meet cool. other ukulele people. Very cool. And it was absolutely incredible. What did you think of Austin, Texas? Oh, I loved Austin already anyway, yeah. yeah. I actually, my cousin lives, well, she's from Austin. Okay. Uh, actually, she, she's not from Austin, but she's American. Okay. And she was living in Austin for however many years and they got married there. And I actually played ukulele at her wedding uh, cool. in 2014, I think. Okay. Yeah. So that was the first time I ever went there. And I loved it. I don't know what it's like now, but... Um, it's changed a lot. Yeah. But it's still Austin. My mom yeah. and dad live there. My little sister lives there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Her two boys, her husband. Yeah. So I have six six people in Austin that I love a lot. That's very cool. Two friends from Columbia that live there. Another friend, his wife, just got a Fulbright scholarship, and she might study at the University of Austin for her PhD. So another two Colombians there. So when I go to USA now, Austin feels like home. Yeah. That's really nice. Have you ever done or been to South by Southwest? You know, that's the time when my family there wants to get out of Austin. Really? Yeah. Okay. A bit like the Edinburgh Festival, I think. Yeah. You know, yeah. If you're from there, it's the time to leave. And then when I go there, I go to see them. So usually around that time when it's going on, we'll go out in the hills and get a, a Airbnb, a house with a pool, and just go out to the countryside. Nice. Yeah. I do have a, actually a friend of mine, Ali. He's a rapper from Bogota. I taught him English in... Buenos Aires because he was living in Argentina and he's played South by Southwest two or three times He's actually one of the biggest rappers in all of Colombia and uh, It's funny to think that someone I taught English has been to South by Southwest three times and all my family lives in Austin And I've never, They've never been, been right? yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 I guess it's different when you're on stage though Like if they invited me to play I would go. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know it's one of the things um, I mean I've never planned to go but whenever I've been in Austin it's always been like the week before or the week after it's mm -hmm. finished. Mm -hmm. And I've just kind of never quite managed to do it. But um, can I just say I'm impressed with you doing all these adventures while married? Because yeah. I did all of my adventure stuff <laughs> before I got married. So how, that's pretty good. How long after you got married did you have your uh, son? Quite quickly. Okay. Well, like uh, two years maybe. Okay. Yeah, so two years. And in those first two years, were you a little more free, or was it mostly with her? Oh, I mean, it was always with her, but we did stuff, you yeah. know. We, uh, yeah, we went around and things. Um, yeah, I don't want it to sound like I'm sort of, like, shackled or whatever, <laughs> you know. But, uh, but it's just when you're, you know, sort of footloose and fancy free, mm -hmm. you have a, a bit more freedom. Yeah, 100%. If I wasn't married, I would live in the van full-time. Really? Yeah. Wow. I would, I would yeah. live in a van, 100%. Yeah. But, you know... In some ways, it's nice to be grounded. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I think I would be too far out there in some ways. Yeah. Because when you're too free, you kind of tend to push it a little too hard sometimes. I can see you as a kind of uh, Grizzly Adams mountain man kind I of thing. I would love it. I would yeah. love it. Yeah. I've always, I'm not into suburbia. I've always said, give me a town of 10 million or give me a town of 10. It's oh, yeah. The in between, I'm not a big fan of. Yeah. See, I've very much changed my opinion on that. I think when I was younger, I wanted to be everywhere all the time like you know I grew up in a small town mm -hmm. so I wanted to move to London which I did mm -hmm. I wanted to move to LA see America I've done all of that stuff now I am married now we've got a kid yeah now he's sort of about to go to school in a few months um we moved, we lived like a little village yeah. and it's beautiful and there's I don't know a few hundred people maybe that's and it's nice. green and there's gonna be sort of like 12 kids in his school or something yeah. it's like absolutely idyllic and I, I love it mm -hmm. you know but but then I'm sure he'll grow up in this kind of environment and when he's, I don't know, 16, 18, 20, yeah. he'll be like, get me out of here. I exactly. need to see the, the big city. Exactly. So I guess it goes around in circles, you know. Those little villages are great until you discover girls. 
Right, okay. And then there's like three of them. And you're like, well, yeah. there's three here and there's five million over there. So yeah. I'm going to go fishing in a different pond. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it was for me. I, I loved living in the country. I, when we lived in California, that town had maybe 500 people. Oh, yeah. La Honda. Yeah. And we lived seven miles outside of town, too. So I grew up with no neighbors wow. on a mountain in the redwoods. Yeah. And uh, for me, it was me, my dog, my little sister, my bow and arrow. And I would just spend all my time in the forest every yeah. day, just, you know, shooting the arrows into trees and climbing trees and fighting off yellow jackets. <laughs> Wow. So what about music then? Did you have that as a kid or is that something you came to later on? You know, later, a lot later in life. Yeah. My mom loves music, but my dad drives in silence. He didn't even listen to the radio when he drives. Really? He's just, he's a pretty in his head guy. Yeah. And so he likes that time to think. So I didn't grow up with a lot of music. Um, and then around 12, started going to concerts in the town when I was in Michigan and, and seeing some bands and getting into it. And then... Um, and then I found hip-hop, and then I fell in love with the idea of being able to create something on the spot. Yeah. And I also love the idea of not recording it, and it would just be there in that moment and never come back. Okay. And I like that idea of art that isn't, art that isn't made to last, like art that's just sort of, in that moment yeah. and that's it. Transient. Very, very cool to me. Yeah. Very cool to me. Um, almost like a Burning Man, but you know, like right, you yeah. build it to burn yeah. it down. Have and you been to Burning Man? But... I haven't, but we do one every year in Colombia. We do a little mini one out in the mountains. Oh yeah, okay. So it's a makeshift thing. It's, you know, it's not, the whole Burning Man scene wouldn't be my vibe. Yeah. But I do like the idea of building something to burn it down. That's always seen something, I don't know, like, a, a, like people who make dominoes, for example. The whole point of all that work is to knock it over. Yeah. And that's always been really fascinating to me. And that's the way I look at kind of like hip hop. You, you build it to knock it over. After that, I started um, making beats and sampling music. And so I, I had a Mac and I was doing it on Reason. I'd upload it in and I'd digitally chop it up and rearrange it. That was when Kanye West was still Kanye West. Okay. Before he was... I don't know if I want to go into the whole Kanye West thing. Yeah, we okay. won't go into that. We, we won't go into it. But there was a time when he made really good music. Okay. And his first album had a lot of soul music in it, right? And I just loved the way he could mix it up and I could hear a song that I'd heard and then hear something totally different that always really intrigued me. So I was doing that and there was a really cool record store in Lansing. Um, Flat, black, and circular. Shout out to those guys and all the hours I spent, you know, in their shop, digging through records. And I started to enjoy the music that I was sampling more than the music that I was making. And it'd be things like Bobby Womack, mm -hmm. and I just loved the guitar, the riffs, Curtis Mayfield, the impressions, all these guys. And so I started to get intrigued by that, but it didn't really catch up till a couple years later when I found an acoustic guitar. And then I, it was broken, and I took it home. I Googled how to tune it, and then I Googled how to fix it, and then oh, I Googled yeah? how to yeah. play it. And how old are you then, roughly? 26, Oh, maybe? wow, that is late. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then so, um, I couldn't speak Spanish yet, and this was in Colombia at this time. Yeah. So I was doing all that sampling stuff in college, I got because I got into hip-hop at 18, and that was for about six years, so I was really into it. Moved to Colombia at 24, a year into it. So I was probably 25. Yeah. And uh, I still couldn't speak Spanish very well. Um, my social circle was pretty limited to bilingual people. 
So I had some time and I just started playing guitar. I just got really into it really quick and it brought back all the memories of the music I was sampling. So I started playing all this old music that I really liked and it, it, was, it was great, it was great. Oh, what a great guy, isn't he? I loved chatting with Tyler, and we'll get back to this conversation in just a little while. Um, We spoke for actually over an hour, and you're hearing most of that right now. But if you'd like a bonus 10 minutes of chat, then you can sign up to the Patreon page right now, patreon.com slash uteacher. At the moment, whatever tier you sign up at, you get all of the podcast material, including exclusive bonus content, the chance to ask questions to upcoming guests, And, of course, it helps fund and support this podcast so that I can keep it going. Uh, Not only that, but you get to message me directly and join in the discussions that we have right here on the show. Last week, I asked what you guys are up to with your ukuleles this Christmas. And one of my lovely Patreon supporters, Annette Truby, said that she's been learning a few songs for her mum, who has severe dementia. She says that music can often break through the fog. So she's learning some oldies for a Christmas Day sing-song with her mum. And uh, she also says that she's hoping for straps and strap buttons for some of her ukuleles. And if she's been a very good girl this year, she'd like to get a second tenor ukulele, which she can keep in a low G tuning. Well, firstly, Annette, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas Day with you and your mum. I know it can't be easy, but I'm so glad she has a wonderful daughter like you to spend the day with. I've seen firsthand the time-travelling properties that music can have amongst the elderly, And so I really hope your mum has a magical Christmas singing along or at least listening along to the songs that you're learning for her. And thank you so much, uh, Annette, for writing in. Funnily enough, you've actually inspired me there for a couple of future questions, uh, one about straps and one about low Gs. I've actually seen people nearly come to blows about whether or not it's okay to have a strap on your ukulele. So at some point, I'd love to hear from you uh, about what your thoughts and preferences are on that. Um, I've also noticed, really, I guess over the last year, maybe two years, just how many people seem to be making the switch to low G tuning. Do you guys do that? I really haven't experimented with it enough myself, in all honesty, but I'd love to hear what you guys think about low G versus high G. Um, You can write in now if you like, or maybe we'll save those particular heated debates for the new year. In the meantime, keep writing in to me to let me know where and when you're playing your ukuleles this Christmas and also what you hope to find in your Christmas stockings. Uh, Again, more replies to those questions later in the show. But for now, let's get back to Tyler from 10 Thumbs Pro. When we left Medellin, we moved to Buenos Aires. And now, now I'm 26, and... I couldn't take my guitar with me, so I took a, I got a ukulele, and that was a year after starting guitar. Yeah. And it was like, well, I can't play guitar for three months. What am I going to do? I'll take this thing. Like a little cheap one or something? Yeah. Yeah. Forty dollars. Right. Okay. I was so enamored by the end of that trip with that instrument that it was, it totally, when I got it at first, I was like, I'll play the songs that I, you know, some credence on it, songs that I like. And by the end of that trip, I found the personality in the instrument, and I found its own flavor, and it was really different. And I didn't know that at first. I was like, this is a little guitar. And by the time I got to Buenos Aires, I was like, this is its own thing. You yeah. know, this is its own thing, and it has its own personality. And I hated the high G three months ago, and now I love <laughs> the high G. And by the time I got there, you know, 
we weren't poor. I won't use the word poor because we ate three times a day and we were broke. That's different than being poor. Okay. Just, you yeah. know, you can't save any money at the end of the month. But we had a night, we lived in a nice neighborhood. We ate three times a day. Took the bus, couldn't afford a taxi. I mean, we were, we were broke, but I was looking for ways to make a little extra money. And I learned guitar on YouTube through Marty Schwartz. And so I just did what he did with the ukulele. And at that time, you were the only other person. Really? Yeah, it was you, and there was a couple other there ones. There was like one or two. There was a guy called Ukulele Mike. I was just about to say Ukulele Mike. I think he was like the main yeah. other guy, yeah. So shout yeah. out to Ukulele Mike. Yeah. And there was a couple people that started it that didn't follow through with it. Really? Okay. And then maybe Adarine was also uh -huh. in that time period. Yeah. But you were the most consistent. You were the guy that was every... Just pumping them out. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. You, and, yeah. And on a level that looked professional. You were the first person I saw that was like, okay, he's taking it serious. Oh, thanks. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so it was you and I. And so I said, well, what can I do that complements what he does? And that's when I started doing a lot of blues things. Yeah. Getting more into the theory of it. And yeah. Trying to do less pop music and do more old music. And it served me well. You know. Yeah. And, uh, and when did that become... Well, how did that start then, the YouTube thing? Was that sort of like a little hobby? Or... Yeah. Yeah. So... It actually started with teaching people how to use DAWs. It was me screen recording me using Reason. Oh, right, okay. And then I just threw up a video of me playing Three Little Birds with a mustache on the balcony as a joke. Yeah. And it, all my Reason videos were getting like 16 views. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Three Little Birds got like a thousand views. And I was like, wow, I'm famous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. A thousand people watch this video. Okay, I'll just kind of keep with the ukulele for a while and see what it does. Yeah. And, um, it just did better and you know it, the, YouTube's a funny thing because once you get one video that people are watching you're like this is a possibility you know I'm gonna keep doing this and see what happens yeah and then three months later four months later I had a thousand subs and my first paycheck $38 my first Google Ads Lovely. Okay. I remember <laughs> mine as well actually yeah <laughs> I don't even think it was 38 it was probably like 36.50 or 36.80 yeah it was less than $40 but man I took my wife out for a steak dinner. Lovely, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. Felt like a millionaire. I yeah, like I'm sure. I'm sure. I remember when I first was allowed to monetize my channel, and it was earning something like you know one dollar twenty five every day. Yeah. Sometimes it'd be like two dollar fifteen. Sometimes eighty cents. Yeah. But like I would just every day I would check it. Oh, I earned a dollar yesterday. Oh, I earned two dollars <laughs> the next day. And I'm like, wow, if this carries on, I'll have a hundred dollars in a few months. You yeah. know. And the thing, and the cool thing is, at least at that time, it was sort of it was growing and growing, mm -hmm. and um. After, I don't know what the time period was, but after a while, I was like, actually, this might be somewhat sustainable. Yeah. And uh, so it sort of grew for me that way. Mm -hmm. Did a similar thing happen to you? Yeah, so the first paycheck I got was 2014. I was still in Buenos Aires. Moved back to Medellin in 2015. So now I'm about eight months of getting $36 dollars. $44. Right, yeah. $47. Yeah. And then in 2015, I went back to teaching English in Colombia. And I said, the day that the paycheck from Google is the same as the paycheck I get from teaching English, I'm going to quit. And around February, they matched. But I had an obligation with my weekend classes until June. So I didn't have any more weekday classes, and I only taught on Saturday. And those finished at the end of May. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to re-sign my contract. I'm going to see what this can do. 
and it was $800 a month at that time, but Columbia's a cheap place to live. Right. So I just jumped in and I said, if I'm going to do this, the time, if I'm going to make any money off of it, I need that time that I'm teaching yeah. English and, and grading papers and lesson planning. I need to do what I've done teaching English with this instrument. I need to plan a lesson. I need to practice it. I need to organize it. I need to line it up. I need to focus on the detail. I need to, I need to make it feel professional and easy to follow. Yeah. And a big shout out to the Colombo Americano in Medellin for giving me a chance to teach English there because that taught me how to teach. And sometimes kids come up, they're like, oh, you're a YouTuber. And I say, no, I, I'm a teacher. It's what I consider myself. I, yeah. I, I don't think anyone is a YouTuber, actually. I think that's a word that from the outside looking in that they use. I would consider myself an educator and other people entertainers or storytellers, but I don't think YouTubers actually even a thing. Oh really? I like to call myself a YouTuber. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think they do it anymore. But if I st if I had to put my occupation on my passport, mm -hmm. I would put that with pride. I think yeah. I like to call myself a YouTuber. I well, I'm to each his own. I'm the exact opposite. I yeah. consider myself a teacher, and I take a lot of pride in that. And I think that might be because of the time I'm in the classroom, and maybe yeah. I'm overanalyzing it. I see YouTube as a means to an end. Uh -huh. I see myself as a teacher, not as a YouTuber. Yeah. And I think that's really cool, by the way. Like it's cool that we yeah. have different opinions, or whatever. Yeah. For me, it's partly the opposite because I have no like formal musical yeah. training or whatever. And I studied it at school, mm -hmm. but I didn't study teaching or anything. Yeah. So I kind of feel like I sort of fell into the whole teaching aspect mm -hmm. of it by accident. Yeah. And so I feel like I'm not really qualified to call myself a teacher. Okay. So for me, YouTuber is quite a good out, a good a good like okay. get out of jail card. Okay. Like people say, Well hang on a sec, you said that in that video and I know that's not right. And I'll be like, well, I'm just making entertaining videos and okay. like, hopefully you can learn from them, but I'm not I never claim to be a teacher, although I guess that is my YouTube name, the <laughs> ukulele teacher. <laughs> so perhaps I need to rethink that a little bit. The ukulele but, entertainer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like wrestling, they call that sports entertainment, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So because it's not an actual sport, it's more entertainment. So I kind of think of myself as a YouTuber first and an entertainer, and I do happen to teach the ukulele. Yeah. That's just what I do on YouTube. So I don't know, it's a tough one for me. I think that that's what's cool about it is that um, everybody hits the same upload button. Yeah. And you can look at it any way you want. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I wouldn't throw salt on anyone that wants to be a YouTuber or is proud of that. That's great for them. Um, whatever makes you feel creative, you know? Yeah. However you look at it. Yeah. Because there's a lot of different ways to approach it. And if you only come at it from one way, we'd all do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess talking of. Uh, or talking about that kind of thing. I think what I've liked about being a YouTuber uh, is that I've, it, in, as opposed to just being a teacher, is that I've had an opportunity to kind of put a bit more of myself out there. Yeah. And I'm doing that a bit less now that I'm a dad. Mm -hmm. But certainly when I was sort of on the ascent, um, I did things like Vlogmas. I would just make mm -hmm. a video of my life for 12 days before Christmas. Okay. Sort of like going around buying Christmas presents mm -hmm. or meeting my family back in England mm -hmm. or taking my nephew to the pantomime or doing kind of funny stuff. Mm -hmm. And again, the same with like Instagram and Twitter mm -hmm. would be like, hey, today I've gone on holiday here or I'm doing mm -hmm. this over there. And it might be ukulele related, it might not be, mm -hmm. but people are getting to see a bit more than just, here's how you play this song or do the scale or, or whatever it is. And I like that. Perhaps that's because I'm quite a sort of egotistical, <laughs> <laughs> like an egotistical person. I need that, that outlet as well. Whatever motivates you, you know, I mean, and I think that circles back to the idea of entertaining. 
Yeah. You know, and we all have to be entertaining on YouTube. Otherwise, people aren't going to watch. Right. So okay. there has to be an element of entertainer in everything that we do as well. Yeah. Because otherwise, people won't watch. People won't care. But what do you think about the whole social media thing? Because I might be wrong, but I feel like you don't maybe share as much of yourself as other people do maybe on there. Um, I, I, yeah, you know, it's not because I'm shy or it's not because I'm embarrassed. It's just because anytime I try a vlog, I'm like first 15 minutes gung-ho and I'm going to vlog the whole weekend. And then 15 minutes into it, I just put the camera down and I'm off doing something else. And I just don't have the technique or the discipline to do it. I've often thought about it and I've tried and I have many vlogs that have started that have never ended. Yeah. You know, I think I have done in all my time, I think I've actually done one vlog on my channel and it was when I cut my hair. Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. that was it. That was it. Yeah. And um I just didn't have I, I people looking at me taping myself in like the grocery store and things like that would it always make weird, me feel uncomfortable yeah. and yeah. I just didn't like the eyes on me. It wasn't that I didn't mind sharing, it was in real time with the people around me. It made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I totally understand that. Yeah. And that was something that I found a bit weird. I guess when I was in like LA, it wasn't so bad because kind of every other person is like a, a vlogger of some kind. Yeah. But um, but even on like like Instagram and Facebook, I don't see much from you sort of day to day life. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, it, and maybe it's something I should do more. But also, my day to day life is I wake up, I have breakfast. I try to break a sweat doing something, whether it's walking or just you know get my heart rate up a little bit. And then I come home and I and I play guitar. And yeah. then once once my hands hurt, I'll play ukulele. And then once I'm done with that, then I'll maybe try to play a little piano. And then I'll cook dinner for my wife, and that's my day. Yeah. So it's like, here's my day playing guitar. Here's and that's me now. Yeah. yeah. Playing that, ukulele. Yeah. 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 That's me now because I'm, again, like I said, when I sort of quit my job, 2015. The world was my oyster, and mm -hmm. I was like going to LA and visiting people all over the USA. Mm -hmm. And now my day is going to take my son to school, yeah. come home, film a video, edit it really quickly because mm -hmm. I've got to go and pick him up, play with him. And obviously, I'm not going to put him on the screen anymore because he's yeah. like his own person, so that's yeah, kind of not, yeah. not so cool. Um, so I have to be kind of quite private as well. So, um, so that's okay, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. and another thing about it is too, I kind of forget how not ordinary my life is sometimes because it's become so ordinary to me. Yeah, that's interesting. Just living like just living in Colombia, I'm sure that there's a lot of things I can show people about Colombia that would um, really kind of blow their mind. But you know, it's my day to day. It's yeah. the life that I live. It's just like my routine and going out and shopping, buying some fruit, speaking Spanish, and things like that. I think people would be like. I had no idea you didn't live in USA, or I had no idea you didn't, and it's just so my routine. It's for, I forget that it's out of the ordinary. Almost, yeah, you know. Yeah, same with me, I suppose. I mean, like I say, I'm a, I am a YouTuber. Like my job yeah. is to make videos, mm -hmm. edit videos, post the videos, and that's not most people's no. job. You know, not not most people's day. No, but uh, yeah, but okay. So, but I guess vlogging aside, and sort of putting out your own social. Um, you know, social media -y stuff mm -hmm. aside, what about like writing your own music? I know you mm -hmm. said you make like transient stuff, but have you thought yeah. about posting stuff or? Yeah, uh, I, I have maybe about a half a dozen songs I'm proud of. Yeah. And when it gets to 10 and I can record and, and maybe make an album, I might do something like that. Okay. And I play around the city too. I, I have a bass player I play with. Shout out, Majo. I hope you're listening. And um, we go out, we play around the city, and but it also just feels so even though it's so connected and I'm sure my audience would be interested in it, like a story or something out there in it, but it just, 
it feels so far apart almost as a performer. And I have a lot more confidence in myself as a teacher than I do as a, a musician. Really? And I think okay. there's an element of that. Because yeah. um, a lot of times I'm asked to sing because I'm the one that speaks English. And it's taken me a lot longer to develop my voice than yeah. it has my playing ability. Just because I don't have an ear for it. Like, I know it sounds out of tune, but I can't make it sound in tune. And it's taken me forever to be able to just sing a C note. And, and that's the thing, too, is the ukulele didn't help because my range, when I, when I first started singing, I couldn't sing the C note, the lowest note on the instrument. Uh -huh. So how am I going to, I can't hear, I can't match the octaves. Yeah. But now I can get all the way up to the E note, so, and I can hear it, and I can kind of set my pitch a little better with the ukulele, and it's gotten a lot better. And so in doing that, and in writing songs, another thing too is when you write a song, no one has a preconceived notion of what the melody is. So when they hear it, you, if they say it's out of tune, I say it's avant-garde, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's There's only so long you can get away with that for <laughs> Yeah, it's, as long as they don't speak English, it's served me well so far. Yeah. But I think that writing my own music has developed a lot of confidence in my voice. And over the last year or so, learning piano has mm. really also helped a lot because I can play the melody and sing the melody on the piano. And is that something you want to add to your YouTube channel as well? Yeah, maybe. I didn't, at first I wanted to document the process and then it was taking the joy out of learning. So I'm going to go ahead and probably skip the process and maybe incorporate it more. But it might be more of a live feed thing or maybe a Patreon thing. I don't think I'll ever play piano and sing and upload videos of covers or anything like that. Okay. And if I did, I'd start a whole different channel. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. probably. Just yeah. like 10 Thumbs covers or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have more than one channel at the moment? Or is I it all not. on 10 Thumbs? Yeah, it's okay. all on yeah. I would. I've been thinking a lot about starting another channel. Just to feel like a beginner again. Uh -huh. I like feeling like a beginner. I, yeah. like, I, I like that feeling. And um, I want it to feel new again and less routine and less like a job. And I think in some ways it would all even benefit 10 thumbs if I started another yeah. channel. Yeah. Just to feel like a beginner again. But I'm already cranking out three videos a week. I noticed that. Yeah, you're still pumping them out. You know, I've really cut back on my videos because I just found it's just not making a difference. I can post one video or five videos. Mm -hmm. And I'm still getting about the same number mm -hmm. of views or whatever. So mm -hmm. I'd rather spend the time, you know, with my kid 100%. and making the video, as, you know, a bit better than just whatever it would have been if I was doing three that week. Yeah. Plus, I've got way less time, like way less time, yeah. you know, because my wife has like a nine to five. Mm -hmm. So I basically drop my kid off at nine, but I have to get him just before three o'clock. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot less time for editing yeah. and filming. Mm -hmm. So I'm only doing the one video a week at the moment. I'm envious of that, and I think someday I would like to switch to that format. I would like the opportunity to make the education more linear, and I'm in the process of working on a dot-com where it'll have courses like mm. a 10-day, kind of like I do blues challenges once a year, and it's a certain key, and it gets harder and harder, and I'd like to do that, you know, intermediate theory and, and linear courses, and if that can generate income, then I would move to one video a week on yeah. YouTube. Oh, this is great. I am really enjoying this conversation with Tyler. Um, he's a really interesting guy, isn't he? Really passionate, and what a story he's got to tell as well. One of the things I'm really enjoying about this podcast is just getting to spend some time with these people in real life. I use that phrase in inverted commas, but I think you know what I mean, not just watching their videos on YouTube. Don't forget, all of the conversations that I have on this show 
our in-person, face-to-face conversations. That's the whole point of this podcast. I'm not going to be chatting with anyone on Zoom or Teams or Skype or whatever. Um, These are going to be up close and personal chats with the stars, to put it bluntly. Um, So you know it means that if I have a guest on the show, I've been in the same room as them. So if you have ideas for people you'd like to hear on the show, then let me know. And of course, the best way to do that is to message me on Patreon patreon.com slash uteacher um, it helps support the show and keep it going and of course you get to hear great bonus content such as an extra 10 minutes with tyler and there's a great bonus ukulele tale with james hill from a few weeks ago as well if you haven't heard that back yet then go and check it out in the archives on patreon um it's the best way to join in with the conversation we have on this show as well of course we heard from annette earlier in the show about her christmas plans with her mum thanks again annette And David Petro messaged me this week as well to let me know that he's doing a couple of holiday play-alongs for all ages at his local library. Uh, Well, in fact, there's one for all ages, uh, which I think may have already happened. And then on Wednesday, the 14th of December, which is today, if you are downloading this show the day it comes out, then um, he's having a play-along and giving lessons to a group of teens at the same library Seems like David is full of Christmas spirit, and I rather wish you'd given me the name of the library, actually, in case there's anyone else in the area who would like to check it out. I remember playing a few Christmas songs with Mitch from the LA Ukulele Festival in Torrance a couple of years ago, which was really good fun and uh, a great way to bring the local community together as well. I'm not sure if Mitch is doing anything like that this year or not, but either way, wherever you are, Why not go and check out your local library to see if they're putting on any uke activities this Christmas? And if they're not, why not ask if you can put on something yourself? Anyway, thanks for your message, David. And again, I'd love to hear from some more of you guys, as there's still nearly two weeks before the big day. So if you're around, let me know where and when you're playing your ukuleles this Christmas. And also, I'd love to know what ukulele you'd like to find in your Christmas stocking. Again, Patreon direct messaging is the best way to get in touch with me. But if you're watching this video on YouTube, you can leave a comment. And I'm easy to find on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter as well. So you can message me wherever you can find me, really. For now, though, let's get back to the next part of my chat with Tyler. What happened to you during COVID? Was that good for you or bad for you? Did, did things kind of change? That's uh, yeah, that, so it was great for my channel. Specifically, it was more better, it was better for my Patreon. Okay. Because a lot of people, I would get new Patreons and I'd ask them, why'd you start? And a lot of them were COVID learners. Interesting, yeah. Um, but it was really bad for my mental health. Yeah. Because I, it was tough in Colombia. We, they locked us in the house and depending on your document, you got to go out one, one day a week to go get groceries. Oh yeah? And so we, it was, we were on lockdown for a long time and it was a very strict lockdown. And as a musician, I want to play with other musicians. That's what makes me happy on a Friday night, just jamming and drinking beers with my friends. Like that's what makes me happy. I don't need to do it every day, but I need that social interaction. Otherwise the, the house starts to feel a little bit like a really nice jail. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you have an ankle bracelet on or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get leave. that. Yeah. And so my mental health um, wasn't good. But I didn't lose any family members. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I lost one friend, and he was more of an acquaintance. But in terms of the long-term impacts of it, I, I wasn't affected, and I'm much more fortunate than most people. So I'm not going to complain too loud, but it, it was rough on the old brain. Yeah. Good on the channel, rough on the brain. Yeah, yeah. 
And what about now things are kind of, I don't want to say it's over, but now it's sort of more returning to normal somewhat. Yeah. What, what is going on? Uh, has that? So it's actually seen diminishing returns. Yeah. You know, the same people that started playing are back to their lives. And, yeah. I, and I have seen yeah. less people watching my videos and less people signing up for Patreon. But I'm okay with that because that means more people are out there living their life. Yeah. You know, and so very easy to be pessimistic about it, but I have still food on my table. I'm still grateful. And that just means some of these people needed the ukulele to get them through a tough time, but it wasn't going to be their lifelong passion. And that's a great thing that yeah. they had that. And it's a great thing that we were there for them. Yeah. Um, and as the world becomes more normal and people are more outside, it's going to change again. And maybe they'll circle back around. Maybe they're just happy to be outside for the first time in two years and they'll dust the ukulele off in a year and come back to Papa. But, you know, who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still there, isn't it? It'll yeah, still be in the exactly. attic or something somewhere. Exactly. Maybe one day they'll find it or the kid will find it and be like, hey, what's someone, this? Yeah. Someone, right? Yeah. And then they'll ask, hey, you know, how did you learn? And, oh, check out, this is who I learned from. Check out this guy, 10 thumbs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was... Um, it's interesting, you know, when you're inside, what are you going to do? You're mm -hmm. going to spend your time on your computer. And so I saw a little bit of a boom in that. And I was naive to think that that would carry over. Right, last forever, yeah, outside. yeah, yeah. But it felt like it at the time. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that statistically in putting all that together, you put the graphs up to like when people got locked down and when they got back out. It's very apparent what happened. But at the time, it just felt like everybody wanted to learn ukulele. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm happy that we, we were there to help them. Yeah. That's a nice way to look at it, I think. Yeah. That is a nice way of looking at it. And I have to say, you know, my views or whatever have gone down since lockdowns and whatever have sort of been relaxed or ended. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't put it together. I just took it really personally. You know, I was okay. just like, oh, people hate me now. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why I'm like that. But, uh, but of course, yeah, it's like, yeah, people getting back to their lives mm -hmm. and, uh, and moving on and doing whatever they need to do, mm -hmm. you know, now. So... That is a really cool way of thinking of it. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. The algorithm also is always changing in YouTube. There is that, yeah. And um, I don't think that the long engagement with the lessons is as long as some of these other high produc production channels. I don't think the discipline's there. I think people try it for, you know, two and a half, three minutes. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, without the cuts and things like that, I just think that the algorithm has kind of turned its back on us a little bit. Yeah. So that's also an element of it. Yeah. But that's the more pessimistic side of no, it. No, I, I believe me, I feel it. I mean, that goes back to what you were saying about, or what we were, sorry, I shouldn't dump it all on you. But this is what you were saying, right? This is what I was probably saying, to be fair, about Instagram mm -hmm. is like, um, and I think we have to take some credit for this because 10 years ago, every video I did, I, I would say, okay, there's a C chord in this song. This is how you play the C chord. Mm -hmm. You need to tune your ukulele first. This mm -hmm. is how it should sound. This is how you do it. Mm -hmm. And I would do that on every video because I have to assume that people don't know that. Whereas now you go on Instagram and someone will say, okay, this song is, you know, D minor, G, B minor, A. Mm -hmm. And the strumming pattern is down, down, up, up, down, up. Mm -hmm. And it goes boom, 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 boom. And people presume you know these chords, you know yeah. how to strum, you know all this stuff, your ukes in tune. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if that's just something people assume incorrectly, yeah. or if there is actually a higher base level of knowledge and people do know a lot more about the yeah. ukulele to begin with now. Yeah, that's an interesting observation. I, I have always kind of catered who would who would like to learn this song. Like, mm -hmm. is this a, a first song, and then do I need to talk about tuning? Or if I'm teaching you how to play something like um, a lot more complicated, a chord melody thing. Like, if I'm teaching a chord melody, I should assume you know how to tune the ukulele. Right, you know, okay, or this yeah. this song has 22 yeah. chords, you should probably know 
or to C chord. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. But then if you get to something like a F sharp minor 11, okay, I'll walk you through this. But the D minor, I'm going to assume that you know it. And if you don't, that probably means you need to go back, go back to and an earlier video. do some work because yeah. this is just a, a, too advanced for you anyways. Yeah. And there's some level of assumption in that, but I also I think that my audience is not really the beginner audience. I think that people kind of graduate to my channel in a sense. Yeah. Because there's a lot of big channels doing a lot of very basic things. Yeah. And um, they do a lot more views and... But those aren't the ukulele players that I'm that interested in. Okay. I want them to go, okay, I got this. Where do I go now? Yeah. And have a smaller audience that's a little more thirsty for something a little deeper. Yeah. Is it fair to say uh, your playing has really improved over the last year? Oh, God. Like, that's not like an insult, is it? I mean, that's no, like... No, it's uh, beyond fair. Yeah. yeah. It's beyond fair. Um, I didn't even know what chord melody was when I started playing. Okay. Um, I, I learned bar chords, I think, on the... Third video that I taught my playing has improved massively when I started my YouTube channel I've been playing ukulele for a year yeah, yeah. so I think about five years ago I felt like I was good and that means for five years before that I didn't feel like I was uh -huh. good right so the first four years of my channel I would say I was much more geared towards that beginner audience yeah exactly that's, that's what I mean you I would, was. yeah yeah yeah. And that's all I knew. Yeah. Know? And I would go watch these other channels and think, that's where I want to get one. Well, that's day. what I was wondering. Like, where have you, who taught you the next stage of ukulele playing? Um, my, myself. Mm -hmm. So after learning how to read sheet music, I taught myself how to read sheet music. And then I got really into analyzing melody and harmony and these things like that. And I would go, in, in Colombia, for better or worse, you can take a book and photocopy it. It's completely illegal but it still happens <laughs> yeah but so i'd buy these used books off amazon that were all sheet music and i would go photocopy them for myself and i would write the intervals of every note above the whole melody and i would say okay this phrase i'm in the key of f and it's a four and then it's a second and then it's a one and the next phrase is a flat third a second and a one so if i want to play a melody that has a feel of al green this is how he sounds so i need to kind of have a descending melody that falls down and jumps up and falls down and then I would play the melody out, and then I'd say, okay, and that's over an F chord, so if I were to play this and harmonize it, and it was just me working through it. Wow, okay, that's really interesting, yeah. Really cool. I'd never taken a class of music. No. Actually, the, that name Ten Thumbs comes from that. Um, I took a guitar class when I was 14, and my teacher said, son, you have ten thumbs. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's like, you're not going to figure this out. You, you were born with ten thumbs. It's not Wow. Fun. I don't know if he was having a bad day, but it, it was the only guitar class I ever took. That's so crazy, because... That could have, I mean, I don't know if you use that as motivation to prove him wrong, but that could have, or you just sort of forgot about it for a while. But like, I, I've had teachers like that, and that just puts kids off stuff for life, you know. If I had years. a teacher who said to me, yeah, right, really, yeah. yeah. You didn't play for 12 years after 12 that. years, until yeah. I found this other guitar, and I played it, and I was like, wow, these 10 thumbs are cooking, man. Yeah. I can do this. Man, in your face, that yeah. teacher, you know. <laughs> That's really what it means. It's a very code for in-your-face productions. That's unbelievable. Yeah, teachers are so, I mean, I don't want to, all teachers with that yeah. same brush, but I certainly had my share of mm -hmm. uh, teachers who did by no means encourage me in certain subjects. Yeah. You know? What's the thing is, I don't think they realize how one passing comment for them can be a lifetime impact on yeah. the kids and, and everything yeah. they're saying. And, you know, they can have a bad day. Like, who knows? Maybe his wife left him the night before. And yeah. He, just, he yeah. probably shouldn't have been teaching that day. But for whatever reason, he decided to tell me I had 10 thumbs. Boy, it's not for you. You got 10 thumbs. This is just not for you. 
And I don't know if he meant I have fat fingers or clumsy fingers. Actually, it was kind of a clever insult because it was like, okay, I won't play guitar, but that was a kind of a good burn, you know? And yeah. I, and, I mean, it stuck with me 12 years later. I still yeah. had it in my brain. So um, it just, when it felt time to name the channel, it just, anything I did with music, I felt like 10 thumbs. Wow, what a story. That was actually going to be my next question. Where did that name come from? <laughs> that is a better answer than I was hoping for, to be honest with you. <laughs> So what are your goals for the future? So my, I've become really fascinated with ethnomusicology and the impact of music on culture and the cultural impact on music. And I would like to try to document um, music of certain regions before globalization makes everything Lady Gaga and Harry Styles. And that's not a diss on Lady Gaga and Harry Styles, that's more a diss on the way music is packaged and sold. I think they're great artists, and there's a reason the whole world listens to them. But if I travel to Africa, it's not because I want to hear music from USA. I want to hear African music. So Colombia seems like the first place to showcase that. And I would like to fly to different areas of Colombia that have different um, relationships with music and examine the music from those regions, the instruments that they use, and the cultural connection between the music that they play. And I would like to document each one of those in an episode. In like, what, a, a YouTube video? Or? Yeah, yeah, but I don't know if it'd be another channel or a polished thing on YouTube, and I'd like to do it in Colombia, and then I'd like to try to sell it to other countries to say, hey, this is what I did in Colombia, talk to the cultural tourism in Argentina and say, you know, when you want to fund it, you want to do it in your country and see if it's something I can package and sell. Yeah. So I'm planning on doing that in Colombia. And like, for example, in the Pacific of Colombia, in, I used to work in a place called Quito, and it looks like West, West Africa. I went there with a West African and he's like, this is exactly what home looks like. This is exactly what Ghana looks like. It's 98% Afro-Colombian and it's a city of 200,000 people on the Atrato in the middle of the Darien jungle. And they hand make marimbas that are like, uh, is a marimba an English word? Like a xylophone. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what they are, but yeah, right. yeah. And they're, so they're wooden xylophones for those that are listening and don't know, but they call them marimbas. And they play this really cool music that we call Pacifico. There's, and there's a rap group from the city called Chokib Town that raps over their Pacific music. Oh, okay. But I'm more interested in the music they're rapping over than their yeah. actually artistry. Yeah. So to like go to the middle of a jungle and find a man that hand makes marimbas and give him a podium to show his art. Alan Lomax, when people talk about who's your musical inspiration, of course, if you listen to me play, you're going to hear Jimi Hendrix and what I do on the guitar. And you're going to hear Remco, shout out to Remco, and my ukulele playing. And you're going to hear people clearly that I listened to and have emulated. But my musical hero is Alan Lomax for what he did with and taking around that big machine in the truck and recording 78s for the Library of Congress. Do you know who Alan Lomax I is? I don't know. No. So the Library of Congress wanted to record music that was folkloric music that they were worried was disappearing in the 1920s. And it was just around the time that field recording for sound existed. And Alan Lomax drove around the United States, into the mountains, in the deep south, in the west, indigenous tribes, and he pressed 78 vinyls and recorded people playing music at the same time nice, yeah. for the Library of Congress. And that music, he was the one that recorded Lead Belly, and he recorded Lead Belly while Lead Belly was in prison. And the warden liked the recording so much they let Lead Belly out of prison, yeah. only to kill another guy and go right back <laughs> into prison. 
But I would love to, he's my musical inspiration because I drew the connection with Latin America because there's a woman who's in Bolivia and she's like 118 years old, one of the oldest living people on earth, and she sings in Quechua. And Quechua is the indigenous language of that area. And when she dies, the songs are gonna go with her. And unless someone records them, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's, and I almost feel like a responsibility to do it because I see it. Like, yeah. like when you see a piece of trash, it's yeah. like, okay, you see it, you own it. And I see this problem. I see this music going away. And I know, I've seen how you do it. Alan Lomax laid out the blueprint. You go where they are and you record them and, and that's what you do. But see, why do you feel like that about her music? Whereas an hour ago, you were telling me, oh, I like to just play my songs and then they go forever. You know? That's a really interesting question. And I think it's because the music that I'm playing isn't going anywhere. Like hip-hop's not going anywhere. It's only getting bigger. So if people want to consume hip-hop, they can't. Um, and they can go to a show even and, and see rap that will just be gone forever and burnt. But when it's, if there was one rapper left on earth, right, okay. it, it would feel a little different. Yeah, you'd want to pickle them. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. exactly. <laughs> so I'm trying to go around and pickle these old ladies in the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. We'll probably end it there, but I will just ask you, um, what are you doing for Christmas? Okay, that's a great question. In case um, this comes out before Christmas. Yeah. What are you doing for Christmas? Absolutely nothing. I've never owned a Christmas tree since I left my parents' house. I'm not a Scrooge. I'm just not that into it. Like, uh, I'll, every year in Medellin, they put some lights up. I'll go look at the lights, and that's about it. My wife will be back, and we'll just spin it together, and it'll be a quiet little Christmas. Oh, lovely. Okay. Yeah. Whereabouts in... Uh... She'll be back in Medellin. Yeah. So she yeah. flies back the 20th. So she'll be back five days before Christmas. We'll probably celebrate Christmas small, and then we'll probably go camping or something for New Year's. Very cool. Go find a river and go swimming. Cool. Well, there you go. What a great chat that was. Thanks so much to Tyler from Ten Thumbs Pro for spending a lovely afternoon with me up in London. After we'd finished chatting, we actually went down to Brick Lane for a curry, as I wanted to be sure to introduce him to some traditional London cuisine. Uh, and in fact, we also saw the USA getting knocked out of the World Cup too. So not a great afternoon for Tyler, unfortunately, but at least we had a lot of fun hanging out. And don't forget, there's a bonus 10 minutes up now on my Patreon page right now with Tyler if you just can't get enough and you'd like to hear a little bit more of me and him chatting. Next Wednesday's episode is with the legend that is Jake Shimabukuru, and I cannot wait to share it with you. Again, wherever you're listening from, be sure to subscribe or favourite it so that the podcast hits your device the second it goes live, which is midnight Wednesday UK time each and every week. And as next Wednesday is December the 21st, that will be my Christmas special episode. So again, anything from you guys about what you're doing with your ukes this Christmas or what ukes or uke-related paraffin qualia you're hoping to receive, I'd love to hear from you. Um, again, anyway, thanks to Tyler from Ten Thumbs. Thanks to you guys for listening. Thanks to Jake for being my guest next week. Thanks to everybody. Uh, I'll be back again next Wednesday with a Christmas special edition of Ukulele Tales. So until next time, I love you all and I wish you... The best. <laughs>